0: guys, and welcome to another episode of Romance in Color. I am one half of the duo here at Romance in Color, Tatiana. And again, my partner in crime, Yakini, is out fighting the good fight uh, with this COVID-19 pandemic we are in. Once again, she is in the epicenter in New York City. As an essential worker and we are sending her love and light while we hold it down here uh, at Romance in Color. I hope you all have enjoyed the beginning of our Writing in Color series, author features that we're doing. Last week we featured Gia de Cadenet, a uh, French now citizen, expatriate, who is a native Floridian. Um, living and loving and working in France um, with her adorable kids and uh, Prince Charming, redhead of a husband. <laughs> um, we talked about the craft, we talked so much about um, writing, the process of getting published um, all of those things, even her own meet cute with her own husband. So I hope you all really enjoyed that. I hope you all took the time to follow Gia on social media. And so you can follow her journey of getting published and getting her book out there. Um, and, even I hope you all even learned some tips and tricks, especially about pitching and querying and things like that. I know I did. I took a lot away from that conversation. Um, so it was an awesome, awesome conversation uh, to get things started with our author series. Uh, I also talked about um, in the watching romance segment, I talked about the movie Kinky with uh, Robert Richard and Don Richards, a black BDSM slash Fifty Shades of Grey type of movie, uh, which is funny because this is a good segue uh, to the author that we're going to be talking to today, Terry Lay. Terry is a Southerner like myself. Uh, she is a Tuskegee grad, but not only is uh, Terry a Tuskegee grad and a romance novelist, she writes erotic romances among the many other genres that she writes. But guess what? Terry is also a veterinarian student so she's not only a writer but she's on her way to becoming Dr. Terry <laughs> and being a lover and care and an enthusiast and advocate for animals that she is um that was her passion and she wanted to definitely pursue that along with her other passion of being a writer. So um uh, we're going to talk about uh Terry's journey uh, talk about her journey to self-publishing. Why she chose to self-publish, uh, versus going um the traditional route of querying and uh, finding an agent and and a publishing house and so on and so forth. But you all, you know, I'm not gonna spoil too much of it. You all sit back, get a cup of coffee. Uh, get uh if you don't drink, get a glass of water, juice. Uh, you know, maybe even I drink. So hey, I'm gonna I got a glass of rosé here. So sit back and enjoy this interview with uh Terry Lay. All right, Terry, thank you, Terry, thank you so much for um joining um the Romance and Color podcast today. Um, so I was reading your bio, and I'm really intrigued. You're also a vet or
1: a vet student. I am. And, wow, and you write romance. Yes, I am. Wow. My life makes no sense. It's okay.
0: <laughs> now tell me a little bit about that. How does a vet student look also you know have the time to write romance too? So, um,
1: I just started vet school, so I just started like this year. so um mm. the the best part about it is that I actually started writing romance years ago, so I kind of got a got used to writing and all that kind of stuff. so it's not so much of a struggle as it would be for a beginner okay Um, now it's just you know it's just part of my life already Mm -hmm. and so now like uh being in vet school is the new thing that I'm integrating which is it's interesting but it's um yeah yeah it's just that's just kind of how it is um but the way that it kind of happened I've always been interested in veterinary medicine as as a child but I've also been interested in writing since I was a kid too. Mm-hmm. And um, I started, like, reading romance novels early and all that kind of stuff. And for the longest time, I thought that I had I had to choose between the two, right? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I thought for years that I had to choose between a lot of things. But, of course, like, I thought I had to choose between two careers. I was like, am I going to be a veterinarian or am I going to be a writer? And then finally one day... I was, um, I was watching this documentary called Between the Covers. It used to be on Netflix. It's this um, documentary about romance novelists, basically. Oh, okay. And uh, they actually do like a big feature of the RWA conference. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was before all the controversy hit. Anyway. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the writers, she's, she's a, a medical doctor, and she's a romance novelist. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of hit. I was like, oh. And she did it, like, while she was in med school and residency. And I thought to myself, I was like, so this is possible. Yeah. You know?
0: and yeah. I think about um, Stacey Abrams, who wrote, you know, romantic thrillers and was in law school, you know, and yeah. still, you know, pursuing her own, you know, political pursuit. So, yeah, it is possible to do two things at once. It's still, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, like, especially once I kind of started realizing that a lot of people around me had like limiting mindsets and things like that once I kind of started like branching out and listening to different types of people and learning about different experiences I kind of just started to form my own opinions Mm. about everything it's like oh well I think this is possible let's try it
0: okay it doesn't
1: work at least we know
0: right right so tell me a little bit about when did like little Terry fall in love with like romance novels
1: um i do believe it happened around i think i might have been 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Um it started because my cousin who was actually uh also our neighbor she um had some books that she wanted to, to pass along to me or whatever and she mm-hmm. actually asked my mom about them first because mm-hmm. some of them were romance novels right Mm -hmm. And uh, they were like the Harlequin contemporary type romance novels where it took place in the UK or New York or something like that. And they weren't very graphic sexually. It was more like boy meets girl. They have a conflict. Like they might have sex at the end. They might not, you know, that type of thing.
0: They might kiss at most. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, I got into them and I and I really liked them and I and I thought I was like man this is like a really cool thing like you know and um, I didn't care as much about the sex stuff as a kid because who does Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I really just like the story and I like you know how people meet and how they interact and how conflict can happen and how that how inner conflict can happen and all that kind of stuff Mm. and then come to find out my aunt she also. Like had an entire library of romance novels in her house okay. and um so I you know it was another thing that kind of bonded us together as well mm-hmm. um because my mother she likes to read, but she loves she loves murder mysteries,
0: okay so, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's not like you know she could she used to read romance novels, but she's more into like murder mysteries now. And so now when we talk romance, she's like, ugh. And I'm like, see, <laughs> I'm going to go over here and talk to my aunt because she understands exactly what I'm talking about. Right, right, right. And, mm-hmm. and so like, it was just a really good, uh, you know, just a bonding experience. Like, I even remember as a kid, me, my mom, and my aunt, we would all read together, but we would all be reading different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a period of time where, like, you know, my aunt, she was, my aunt and my mom, they were both strongly screening which romance novels I could read. So for the longest time, I could only read, like, the contemporary stuff or maybe some of the sweet stuff. But the older I got, the more I got into more of the uh, intense things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you get older and you get curious and you decide you want to pick it up and you just start reading them. So
0: Right, um, and your life experiences take you to different places. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, by the, so by the time I was in high school, I was definitely more into the erotic stuff Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's curious about sex in high school. So, right, sense. right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah. So, so, you would say you, I was reading your, also reading your body, you say you're also full time with the writing and full time with the being a vet. So, you know, was there a time that you did something else besides writing full time or being a student full time?
1: Um, yes. So like, before I was before I was writing full time, I was still trying to kind of figure out what my career was going to look like. Um. So for me as a writer now, like it's not just uh, novel writing or book writing, it also includes like, copywriting, content writing for different businesses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And before I, you know, really kind of started to dig in and see what that career would look like. I did, like, a lot of kind of odd stuff. You know, I used to mm-hmm. I used to work as a dog bather for a little while. I used mm-hmm. to work as a, yeah. I used yeah. to work for a dog daycare. I used to work uh, in a gas station. Like, you know, mm-hmm. then you got to put food on the table. Of course, of course. And, um, you know, my mom, she used to joke, she was like, you were probably the highest qualified gas station attendant I've ever <laughs> met. <So> I'm like... <laughs> So, um, so what's
0: your, what's your education background? What, what's you your degree? Is, so degree
1: I I currently have a bachelor's degree in biology.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I said, my life doesn't make sense. So it's okay. Um, so I have a, I have a bachelor's degree in biology. I also have an, a, an associate's degree in liberal arts. And that's kind of, uh, when I went to the, to a junior college to kind of get a lot, a lot of my uh, general studies courses out of the way.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Um, and so I did graduate with an associate's, um, but, like, yeah, um, even mm. with degrees, you know, people make it out like a degree will automatically get you a job. That's not always the case. That's
0: absolutely not so, true.
1: You know, and so you have to eat. So I, yeah. just, I took whatever job was open. And yeah. um, I was a waitress at one point. I worked, like, uh, this seasonal security job for a minute. There was a time where I used to work on a dairy farm. Like What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling <tired of> you, <laughs> Wow, I don't work t- with- this is on dairy farms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, like early morning dairy farm work too. Um, oh, okay. to work in retail. I used to work for an office supply store. Like, hmm. you know, you are office- you
0: are literally a Jill of all trade. You've done, you done everything. <laughs> you
1: no, know, I have, I have, I have. But I came, I came from a family that believed in work. You know, oh, like. Yeah. Uh, you have to, like, you have to get up, you have to be doing something. And, mm-hmm. you know, even when I became an adult and I had to live with my mom for a short period of time, she was like, okay, what are you going to do? You know, you're either going to go to school or you're going to go to work.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I'll help you with either, but you're not going to sit and just do nothing. Does, it
0: same, does the same type of work effort translate to your writing too? Like, how you write or how you approach writing?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I know the scariest thing for a writer is a blank page,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Like that's, that's kind of it. Um, But I also understand that, you know, that page won't get filled up unless you're standing in front of that blank page or sitting in front of that blank page. Mm -hmm. So like, you kind of have to overcome the fear or get past the fear and just say, you know what, even if it's bad, we're still going to write it anyway. Mm -hmm. And the, Everybody that's been writing long enough, they know that the hard part is not the writing part; it's the editing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so once yeah. you pass, like you know, the you kind of get over the oh, it has to be perfect stage and all that kind of stuff, and then you really sit down with yourself and you're like, you know what?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're just gonna put this on this page, and uh, we'll take care of it later.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so and you having all these different kind of like life experiences, does that? Also translate to to the work you're doing, or like the world building that you have for your um, characters and 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 things that you set your writing in. Sure.
1: Um. So, say for example, uh, my first romance novel. Um. The the character she she grew up in the south like I did, and mm-hmm. um she you know she had a she has family and all that kind of stuff. She went to college like I did, and she um worked for a company, and the company kind of sort of, like, one of her co-workers was kind of um, did her dirty. It wasn't a mm. kind just really did. And mm. I kind of understood that from, in the past, working in you know, restaurants, when people you know, they kind of backbite, they kind of do all kinds of things to you know, get over or do or, you know, succeed better than you are that night or whatever. Mm. Um, that doesn't it doesn't seem like on the surface level that that would translate, but from working in the corporate in a corporate setting, it does. <laughs> as someone that is working right. technically a minimum wage job as well as a corporate job, um, both things happen. Like it happened in both locations, people mm-hmm. do things to kind of that are kind of underhanded
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: as a way to get over. And so, definitely, like taking those types of feelings that I had when things like that would happen, uh, putting those into my character. Um, understanding what it's like living in places like Atlanta or um, in Montgomery or things like that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely been a part of, a big part of, like, how I build my worlds, my books.
0: Okay, I'm in Atlanta, so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> a lot of my, 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 my current work I'm working on now is set in Atlanta. The yeah. last thing I wrote was not set in Atlanta. It was actually set in um, New York and American Samoa, Okay. Um, but I you know, it's it was kind of my first first book. It really didn't go anywhere. I queried it, it really didn't go anywhere, but you know, at least I tried to expand myself and my mm-hmm. horizon um into different, you know, settings and things like that for my characters. Although my characters are primarily people of color, um, black people in that particular there was a black woman and a Samoan man. Um yeah. I, I really wanted to kind of expand and, and kind of stretch myself, you know, and see where I could, you know, as far as like doing deep dive research and all that stuff. Um, so I could kind of build that world. So, yeah, I can see how kind of those lived experiences of where you are kind of seep into um, your writing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the writing, the romances you have not, are they more like, because I think I read on your, your they're more of the, on the erotic side, erotic yeah. novels. How do you how do you infuse how can I say this? How, can, how do you infuse yourself culturally in those novels without um, putting in like stereotypes sexual stereotypes about black folk. Or or if you're dealing with black folk or folk of color in those novels?
1: Um let's see. I think I think the one thing that um that I try to do is to to think about my characters and their experiences. Can you still hear me? hmm Okay. I try to think about my character experiences as if um as if there, if, as if the color wasn't a, an aspect, right? So, um, like, of course, you know, my characters—they are, they are African American because I believe that I should be represented in some way, or form, in my in my novels. But mm-hmm. when it comes to things like, um, like sex, or even like you know, outside of the bedroom, I think mm-hmm. a lot of our experiences are, in fact, the same as some that are not black. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, and I try to convey that in my book. So, um, for example, one of the things that uh, a reviewer told me about something that's that's within uh, that's within my book is that uh, he read a sex scene, and I have some definite graphic sex scenes, but he told me that he read them and he didn't feel dirty, mm, mm. right? And I, <laughs> and you know, like I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, uh, great. You know, because, <laughs> because there is kind of this this idea that um, I'm just going to be honest, okay? That right. that uh, black people, African Americans, however you want to call yourself, we kind of are seen almost savage mm. when it comes to sex, and our right. stereotypes we we kind of like, oh, well, you know, they're just raunchy and dirty and all that kind of stuff. When right. it's like. No, we're about as adventurous as the regular person. We yeah. and,
0: and, and there's nuance to it and yeah, get yeah. you. And, and then particularly I, I agree with you that there's that stereotype out there. And then people don't think of the greater cultural content that most of us come from extremely religious homes or and that you know, these things have been kind of infused in of like little really good girls don't do this or, or good guys don't do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um or however, you want to identify yourself. Um, You know, you don't do this. You know, you're black. You don't. Black people don't do this in general. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like you, you don't want you don't want people to think that you know we were coming off as, as savage, but at the same time, we're just as adventurous or and not adventurous <laughs> as anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: yeah, so when I try, so yeah, that's that's kind of it. I try to write it as if the color really doesn't matter. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's no inside joke to it. <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> like, right.
1: You know, these are just two people just going, just doing life, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, they happen to be black, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that, that part is definitely there. They happen to be black, but mm-hmm. I want a person who is outside of our race to read my book and say, hey, you know. I go through the same thing right thought about the same thing right you know right so So are you
0: your books you you publish them independently and self publish them right was there ever a time when you thought well you would want to go through the query process and be agented or you just like no I'm gonna stick to the self-publishing route and why did you choose self-publishing
1: so at the time when I um when I was publishing I didn't think that um because that yeah I know what happened. So at the time when I was publishing the book that we're talking about right now, it was kind of right after everything was kind of starting to die down from the 50 shades thing. Right. Which that's that's a whole conversation in itself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But you know, there was kind of like this thing where, um, even even going into the bookstores, you would see a section of books where it says "After Reading Fifty Shades," mm-hmm. and that's where like all of the erotic books were. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be in that category. I kind of wanted to to kind of stand on my own with that. And I mean, you know, we can debate whether that was a good decision or not. But I also didn't think that. Um, the publishing companies that I was really wanting to go for, I didn't think that they would um, be as accepting of the book that I published because mm-hmm. I think mean, you know my book has uh, has has a threesome in it and all that kind of stuff, and it doesn't go well. Uh, and you know the the ending I is huh.
0: That's I see what you're saying,
1: yeah. Yeah, you know, like things like that. So it's not widely accepted, and it can be kind of controversial. And mm-hmm. I didn't see. I didn't see where um, a, ro- a a romance published romantic publishing company would be as accepting of it. And so I just thought, you know, Hey, let's just uh, put this thing out. It's my first book. I went in it with full realistic expectations. I didn't expect it to do as well
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: didn't do as well. because <laughs> I'm still learning how to market myself. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of, that's just kinda it. You know, you don't go into it expecting to be uh JK Rowling on day one.
0: Of course. <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> right. Right.
1: You know, so we yeah.
0: Right. Right. Um, or or even uh what's the lady that that wrote to Dishade Gray?
1: Nobody.
0: Uh, was, was, yeah. Nobody's supposed to be her either. Yeah. No. Um, but I, I I hear what you're saying. Like I think so much of romance. Is marketed toward the fairy tale and the happily ever after. So when things that are not conventional happen in romance stories, it kind of freaks people out. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, oh, is that supposed to you know, supposed to happen? Even if, a, let's say, the you know, the, the protagonist is not conventionally pretty, or it is, you know, two nerdy people. I mean, it, it end up together or whatever. That, that doesn't always appeal to the masses yeah and so when particularly when sexual things come up that they're just like, Okay, what the hell you know what is this? Yeah. you know they're just kind of like we don't know how to market this, who do we market this to? you know yeah.
1: so I, mean, I had to think about it like that from the beginning because my mm. actual male interest in my first novel is a stripper, mm. you know, and mm. you know and it kind of the I don't know if you're going to ask this later, but the idea kind of came because I used to watch um, a lot of HBO late night when I was. Oh, yeah. I know where I'm going already, but they had this one episode where they were talking about black male strippers.
0: I remember that.
1: Yeah. I remember and I watched that one. It And it was interesting, but there was like one segment section of it where the, the guys were talking about relationships. Mm hmm. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, I wonder what that would be like. And then years later, the idea just never left. And mm-hmm. I thought, man, what would that be like to date a stripper?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think this is going to be a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, so taken into that, like like I said, I really looked at this very realistically. Like, I didn't, like, of course, everybody wants to have a Harlequin stamp or a Kensington stamp on their on their book. Mm-hmm. And eventually I'll get there. But I took it. I looked at it very realistically. Harlequin does not want to publish a book where the guy is a stripper. No. no. Neither does Kens- Kensington. They want, you know, the the either the bad boy on a bike or the cowboy on a horse, like you know,
0: what oh, a prince charming. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's like you said, it's a fairy tale. There is no fairy tale in the strip club.
0: No, not at all.
1: <laughs> not at
0: all, male or female. Mm-mm. Right.
1: So, you know, this is a real deal. And Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I think, I think romance could, needs an injection of an infusion of different types of relationship and what relationships look like. You know, relationships can be, you know, they don't always have to be monogamous. They can be polyamorous. They can be, you know, you know, we're getting more queer literature, um, which is awesome, but at the same time, you know, where are the other, you know, shades of gray in between? Not just use shades of gray <laughs> as pun <laughs> intended, but, you know, where are the other, you know, vast array of relationships that people yeah. can be in? You know, yeah. I think we just kind of, as people uh, seek to identify themselves different ways, I think that'll also help to change the way romance and romance literature is viewed too, you know? So I don't know. I think there's still a hope for your book to be out there in the mat, dating strippers and, you know, threesomes and all that stuff. I definitely think that's definitely, there's definitely a market for that. Mm -hmm. For sure. sure. And not even in an erotic way. I mean, that could be somebody's everyday life. To be, quite honest, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, these are different times we're living in. and not right, not right now. Right now, I wouldn't want to be near anybody. But, you know.
1: True. <laughs> but, uh, you know,
0: at post-quarantine, you know, people will continue on with the type of relationships they're in. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, where do you, how, you know, you being a vet vet student, how long do you have to go to, to, this is your first year, right?
1: This is my first year. I have uh, two more because I'm in an accelerated program, so we okay. go year round.
0: Okay, okay. So, are you still you're still writing while you're in school?
1: I am. I just wow. do, I just do yeah. it at night. <laughs> I was gonna say, how
0: do you balance it? Do you what's your what does this typical writing day look like for you? We in okay.
1: school. So. um Right now, all of our classes are online, so it's definitely a lot more flexible.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But when classes were, like, full force, what I would do is I would either wake up early in the morning and get an hour in of Mm -hmm. just, like, straight writing, because um, typically my outlines are pretty detailed to the point to where it's already kind of in my head when I wake up the next morning. Mm -hmm. So... yeah, so I either wake up that morning and do an hour, or that evening after I'm done studying, and I've had dinner, and I, you know, mm-hmm. take a break, and then I put in like another good two or three hours,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then by the by the time I'm done writing that that much, I'm ready to go to bed. So
0: oh wow okay yeah <laughs>
1: Before
0: they, yeah wow yeah. wow yeah. you're really putting in the hours
1: yeah so and it- I. And I type that, pretty fast
0: too so it works out oh okay yeah yeah. I'm, I'm a slow typer <laughs> I'm not going to lie I, 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 type, I type relatively fast but at the same time if I get into like a like if I'm stumped mm-hmm. I'm, I'm typing as slow as my last is like I'm trying to like parse <laughs> it out and I'm like typing super slow I don't always have the greatest outlines when I'm writing it's just like it's like skeletal and I'm just like Sometimes it's like pulling you know, teeth to try to get something going. But do you ever like have those kind of situations where you're kind of like you know, kind of it's almost like you're like running through the mud trying to get, you know, some ideas going? It's, it's not quite writer's block because you're still writing, but mm-hmm. at the same time it's just kind of like the pace of where you're going is just not where you want to go. How do, you, how do you kind of break through that?
1: So, um, At that, in those moments, I become very old school and I just break out pen and paper. Mm, Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm the type, um, when it's time for me to be creative, I don't like to write on lines for some reason. Mm. Um, I'm team sketch pad or typing paper or something without lines. And, um, I just kind of go at it that way. Sometimes Mm. I'll write on the page and it'll be sideways or whatever, Mm. but it kind of try to break the monotony. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because sometimes like we can get really—it's like you said—we're kind of stuck or in a rut or something. And it's like, man, how do I kind of get out of this? And you actually have to just break your entire routine all together. Right. Um, yeah, I've written entire chapters on typing paper and then went back later and typed them up. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm the I'm the one that writes in my phone. So if I ever lost my phone, I'm screwed.
1: <laughs> so
0: I write in my phone. So like, yeah, I because I. I, cause I usually commute on the train like during the week. So I'm like on my phone, like, you know, trying to, you know, write ideas or in the bathroom. I have a four-year-old so I'm trying to get away from her and I'm in the bathroom writing notes and all that stuff. So yeah, if I ever lose my phone, I need I need to go back to pen and paper. You you gave me a good good idea. I need to go back to pen and paper. I, I mean I have a planner and stuff and I actual physical planner, but I never write anything like in there regarding like writing, I, I keep my schedule of how I'm going to write in there, but yeah. I don't, I don't actually write. So yeah, that's a good one. I, I need to start going back to pen and paper when I get stuck. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I've actually uh, experienced the phone situation too. Wow. So right. yeah, I'm team notebook all the way now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, yeah.
0: You know, there are times when like I've written something in notes, and mm-hmm. I'm like, where is it? Did I erase it? Or my daughter takes my phone and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! I'm like, don't tell me she erased it! Oh Lord, I'm like freaking out. So Mm -hmm. yeah, luckily, thank God for the cloud because you can always find find it, whatever you did in the cloud. Yeah, thank God for the cloud. So, aside from you being in school, you writing, um, do you? and I know writing can be so, particularly you in school, you're kind of doing this kind of solitary pursuit of self-publishing. Do you have a community of, of like other writers, writers of color, other romance writers that you kind of, you know, seek mentorship with or seek partnership with or even like feed off of, you know, feed ideas off of? And, and you know, how do you, if you do, how did you come across that type of community?
1: So uh, Facebook has been a big, a big help with that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, even as I kind of branch out into different genres, I have found all of my writing partners and writing groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's that's just kind of where I found them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I have now, I have uh, currently one beta reader who's willing to read anything that I send him, whether it's romance or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a great relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I have another friend. She actually started writing. Um, she started off writing more um, science fiction or fantasy type stuff, and then mm-hmm. she slowly started delving into uh, romance as well. And so she she and I bounce ideas off of each other all the time because she because she has an experience in a different genre. She sees things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, well, you know, like, this is something that I would have done. Do you think that's a good idea? And then you look, you kind of take a step back and you're like, that's actually really smart. Yeah.
0: So you know? she, so, so she become more of a critique partner, too.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And because I kind of have an idea of the the formula, because, you know, all romance has a formula. Yeah. Um, I'm able to help her a lot with certain, like, structural things or like, hey, when you're writing romance, maybe talk about this a little bit more, like really kind of dig into the emotional side sometimes, or mm-hmm. um, how was the breeze like blowing through his hair or something, you know? Right, stuff.
0: right, right. right. Little um, details, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: because um, it's a it's a style, you know,
0: mm-hmm. that you kind of yeah. have to
1: grasp. It's different from other genres.
0: Mm-hmm. So. so, when you write it, what's like the hardest scenes to write? Like when you're writing your romance
1: novels. The first sentence is always the
0: hardest.
1: I'm so serious. Like typically, typically I always have to go back and either delete or revise or something to the first paragraph of every book or every story I've ever written. I'm telling mm. you, it is mm. always like trash. Um, and so now I really because I know that I kind of go into it say I know this is gonna like I'll, I'll actually try, type this part I actually already know this is gonna be trash so I'm just gonna <laughs> say this so that I'm not looking at a blank page and then right. I start writing right you know and then I know like exactly where to go in my book and I mean mm-hmm. even if it's just like if I'm in the middle of the book and it's just a hard day like I'll actually write hey this might be garbage, but we're just gonna get this out, like mm-hmm. you know, and that'll kind of be my marker to say, hey, let's really look at this section really close because this was a hard day. Whenever I'm going back to look at the entire work, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. if that was a helpful tip or not, but that's a- it
0: was definitely was definitely <laughs> was. I'll say writing notes. I, I I don't really do that, but that's a that's a good one and a new one for me. Writing notes to yourself in the margins or somewhere in the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that definitely would would help me, especially if you're like, hey, let me. You might want to come back to this, or you might want to do yeah. that. Yeah, that definitely. I need to start doing that more. So thank you for that. I, I definitely would. I'm gonna no take that advice and, and put things in the margins. Like, hey, this might be trashed. You know, or <laughs> today, and you know, maybe I need to take a step back and
1: look look at it. You know. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see, what else is hard for me? Names are hard. Oh my goodness. Like. I've had to go into so many like phone books to get just the right name or the last name because uh, currently I'm working on a book where I have a Hispanic character and just try not to come up with a stereotypical name and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, goodness, okay. you don't want a million wands walking around <laughs> right? or okay. like 25 Martinez. And I'm like, right, goodness, right. Goodness. so we got to We got to actually work, work on it. And, um, you know, it's easy to go for the names like Alice and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, oh, let's try, it. let's try a little let's be a little bit more creative. I my, my I'll
0: give you a hint that I use and I told my husband, my husband asked me this He said, Well, how do you come up with character names? I said, To be quite honest, I'll kind of be alone. Like I write my idea down, I close my eyes, and I'll just try to think about sex scenes and I said, What's the best name that sounds good during sex? <laughs> And he was like, for real. I was like, yeah, for real. What's the best name during sex? In one of my my current um, work, I'm working on. The girl's name is Ari. It's short. You know what I'm saying? Ari is short. Wow. And then the guy's name is Porter. And I was like, it works. It just works. I mean, you can say yeah. it's, it's, You don't want too many syllables. You don't want. Something particularly doesn't fit somebody's, you know, the particular age range somebody's into. I think about that age range and then what sounds good during sex. Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I watch Insecure and I'm like, yeah. I don't know no black girls named Molly for real in real life. So I don't know why she got the name Molly. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? I know, I know a lot of Malisha's, you know, yeah. but, you know, Malisha's, Malika's and stuff like that. But I don't know any Molly's. You know, but you we know We haven't
1: really seen a lot of her family. That might not be her real name.
0: They showed them last week, but I don't, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it, that's just me. I'm just like, eh. you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to not to be culturally stereotypical, but I, I wanna be like, you know, come on, let's get something with modern, you know, if I'm writing in twenty twenty, you know, I don't want a girl named Beatrice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It do not work for me. So it just has to be within the time and something that sounds good during sex. So, so this is my tip. I don't know if you're going to use it. But I,
1: I, 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 hey, that's I need it. So I need the tip. So we're going to try it and see. That's
0: my tip. Whatever sounds good during sex. So uh-huh.
1: yeah,
0: yeah, that's funny. The hard names, names. I never thought about that. But yeah, it can yeah. be difficult. Um. So as a self published, author mm-hmm. i know that 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 journey can be long and hard and i mean you got to like you <laughs> say you have the promotion that you have to go through the the um you know trying to you know do the editing yourself doing all you do so much of it yourself and i know yeah. at the end of the day it gets tiring and you get you know frustrated and you're thinking like what if, what is all this for you know what i mean yeah so what does Success look like for you as a self-published author What does literary success look like for you?
1: um probably the most successful day for days um because it's it's coming it's coming in different forms mm-hmm. uh, the the first successful day was getting my first print book in the mail. it was my mm. first copy and for me like I remember because I actually had it mailed to my post office box on campus. when I was in Tuskegee. And um I remember getting like the notification and I went to I was waiting in line for it. And um I actually was in my friend's car when I opened the package and I remember the smile on my face when I saw Mm -hmm. the book. And Mm it was it was that feeling of this is an entire life's ambition just sitting in my hands right now.
0: Wow. Wow. You know? Um Mm -hmm.
1: And it was it was just like that moment. And that night, people were people were asking me. They were like, "You're not gonna go out with friends and celebrate?" I'm like, "No, because this isn't about them." Right. You know, like yeah. I literally sat at home, and I remember the movie that I watched too. I watched Coyote Ugly*. I <laughs> ate some good food, and I had a bottle of wine, and I just really just sat and just kind of just thought, like, man, I do, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, and if no one else buys it, at least I put it out there, right. Right. You know, like and for, for me, that was success in that moment. Right. Um, later, uh, you know, because when you self-publish, you realize some of the mistakes you made. So I actually re- redid my book and redid the cover and all that kind of stuff later, um, which is which was not as bad of a process as the first time. The first time it was a lot. But um, the second time I actually did um, a launch party. One person showed up. wow one whole person but even with that like the success was looking out at the room and saying I rented the room right my table is right here like you know and then after that like I did um, like a a pop up shop I did a, a book signing and all that kind of stuff and they were both like really small things but in those moments they were big because it's like I showed up
0: Mhm.
1: You know, so success for me became was defined differently because it kind of had to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't get the million dollar check in the mail that's coming eventually. It is. Um,
0: when you said it, it's coming, right? Yeah, it's coming.
1: Mm-hmm. Um but in that moment, success meant showing up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and doing the work and putting it out there and seeing the seeing the finished product, you know? Like because you think about how many people that say, "Oh, you know, I've been thinking about writing a book." Mhm. And it kind of starts to aggravate you after a while because you're like, okay, just
0: do it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you
1: know how many hours you're putting in on your book, but they're just thinking about it. Okay. Right, (laughs) right, right. right. You know, and so when you you see those, when you have those moments to where um, like you really show up and you really realize like, hey, my work is like in here and they're going to be small moments to everybody else. But if they're large to you, Mm. that's a successful moment. Mm. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. And for me, it wasn't about everybody else, you know, approving. Most people that were around me didn't approve. Mm-hmm. We already talked about some of the reasons why. Um, yeah, most of the people around me didn't approve. But what mattered is what I looked at in the mirror.
0: Why didn't why didn't people approve of it? it was um, you were brought up or, 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 or what the subject matter was?
1: The subject matter was a big thing. The fact that it was romance in general, a lot of a lot of my friends were a part of my church. Mm. At the time. So, you know, romance and romance novels and church don't really mess together all the time.
0: There there are Christian
1: romances. There are, but people apparently don't like to talk about those. In church. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, know. And I'm like, yeah. hey, you know, it's a whole genre of like romance novels that are geared towards Christians. There's yeah. Amish romance, there's Christian romance, like Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think about uh, I think was it Kim Loc- Kimberly Lawson or whatever. I think she writes sort of in the Christian, you know, yeah, vein sometimes. Yeah, so yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some of the best books I've read were Christian romance novels, like mm-hmm. you know, and the and that's kind of the thing that a lot of people don't understand. There's not a war between Christian romance novels novelists and the rest of them, right? You know, we all we all support each other, right, like, right? Yeah, do it like whatever whatever it takes. Get the words on the page. Get the book out. Do it, and we're all happy for each other when it happens. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like it's not a it's not a competition. We're really all just trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, But anyway, back to what I was saying. So, like, um, yeah, a lot of people didn't improve. But what I had to kind of come to terms with is like, hey, you, Terry, you did it. Mm -hmm. You put it out there. You you did everything that you in your own power could do. Mm -hmm. That's a successful moment. You didn't just think about it. You actually put pen to paper, hands to keyboard. You put your money where your mouth is like you did it. And if mm-hmm. no one else showed up, you did.
0: Right. 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 And
1: that's, that's what defines success for me. So,
0: yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So, in our last segment, we're going to do like some rapid fire questions. So, I'm going to give you like a short phrase or a this or that. And you just like the first thing that pops in your head is what you should just give me an answer. So, you don't have to think too deeply about it. Just (laughs) whatever you um whatever your like quickest answer to the question is. Gotcha. Uh, Favorite book as a kid? Harry Potter. Any particular one or just all of them? Uh probably Chamber of Secrets. Probably that's the best one. (laughs) 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 Do you like to write heroes or villains?
1: Ooh, now villains. Mm. yeah I know
0: yeah yeah. The villains are always more interesting. I always tell people that
1: they are right, and, and we're in a time to where villains make sense, yes, yeah, you know yes. they're not they're not evil for no purpose. It's like no, they have a backstory, they have some like real deep stuff that went on that- mm-hmm. that you know, and you kind of agree with them a little bit, even though you don't like their methods, and you're like, mm-hmm. hmm, okay, this is a little it's a web of stuff happening with this villain so I really love that now
0: <laughs> love scenes or dramatic arguments one more time do you like to write love scenes or dramatic arguments uh, love scenes uh, best book to movie that you've seen mmm uh
1: you know I really liked how waiting to excel was done
0: Mm. mm. yeah I agree with yeah. you Classic,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, and no. I, I watched it as a kid, like, too. But yeah. uh, my mom covered my eyes during the sex scene, so yeah, we
0: had no business watching it, but it was good. We did. We did. <laughs> I, was like, I, I watched didn't... how Stella got a
1: groove back, it's okay. yeah, I don't
0: know how old I was with Stella when um, when you say I I think it was like 91, 92, uh-huh. so I might have been 12, 13.
1: I know Just I was like younger,
0: that. That when I watched it, yeah, I was young, I was young. <laughs>
1: But oh. I would always, I would always watch stuff like that with my mom, and I remember her like putting her hands over my eyes, like, <laughs> over my eyes, and I'm like, now as an adult, I'm like, I still heard it. Right, I know what they're doing. <laughs> like you know, but parents do, parents do the best they can. So, yeah. You know?
0: Your favorite place to write? Mm.
1: Um, I really like writing in my bed.
0: Mm. Okay. If you got a huge advance for a book, what would be your biggest purchase?
1: Ooh, um, let's see. My biggest purchase would be a house.
0: House. Oh, okay. Yeah. Book reviews: read or not to read? One more time. Book reviews: Do you read them or don't read them?
1: I do read them. <laughs> oh
0: gosh, <You're>, you are you uh uh. You are glutton for punishment.
1: I am, and it's, <laughs> it's you know it's put me in a bad headspace a couple of times. But you you go back and you reread it and you see what works and what doesn't, and you're like, okay, maybe maybe this just wasn't their book, and that's okay.
0: <laughs> the last romance novel you read.
1: Oh, um. It was this book called The Masterpiece by mm. um goodness, what is her name? Goodness. I have it in my side drawer. <laughs> uh it's uh it's called The Masterpiece by Francine Rivers. She okay. is a yeah, she's a Christian romance novelist. Mm. Um and it's really good. It's it's definitely a thick one. Oh. So if you like really long reads, but it's good though. Like uh It's about two people that are not perfect by any means.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, they get together. God is in there somewhere. And uh, (laughs) I'm saying, well, yeah, I'm just being honest. Like, God is in there. Uh, And, uh, yeah, this is really good. I love, yeah, I just love the, honestly, with that one, I really love the conflict and the drama.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah, it it was, man. Do you write to music? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. What kind
1: of music? R and B. R and B. Not the new stuff, the old stuff.
0: <laughs> is there a book that you wish you would have written?
1: I thought about this question when you sent it to me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wish I wish that I could have I wish that I would have written uh Fifty Shades. And this is gonna sound real, this might sound bad, but I actually <laughs> think that I could have written it better. Yeah. Yeah, better. everybody does. <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> everybody thinks that. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, uh, because, especially knowing what I know now about stuff and about life and even about, I have friends that are a part of that, you know, whole scene and all that kind of stuff too. And they all told me what was horribly wrong about it. And I'm like, man, I think I could have just, you know, really just did it better. Yeah. You know? Okay, your favorite
0: So, the favorite word that you use in your writing?
1: It's more of a phrase. um, Mm -hmm. And I used to get caught with this one all the time. Um, I would always say, she looked at him as if he had three heads. (laughs) Okay. Um, Because, you know, like, you know how, like, you kind of, your head kind of jerks back like, what? You're right. Yeah, I was trying to convey that. And there's more than one way to convey that. I know that better now.
0: Right. (laughs) If your book became a movie, who would you want to play the lead?
1: Ooh. Mm, I would want... uh, What is her name? She played in... um, She played in the movie Belle and Beyond the Light.
0: Oh, Gugu and Baccarat
1: yes yeah yeah yes yeah she's a good actress i had her name in my head but it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> yeah looked. I
0: like Google. she's a good actress i just yeah. saw her in a uh, fast color it was so good was oh really i want to see it it's good it's on um, hulu i think okay
1: i okay. look for it
0: yeah um where do you see romance novels
1: going in the next decade well uh that's the, that's the question we're all looking for now um, <laughs> i hope I hope that we become more inclusive and more mm-hmm. um, more open in our stories you know like you know like we've been talking about this entire time, a lot of the a lot of the the mainstream romance novels are really uh, all about the fairy tale, all about one look, one type of couple, and all that kind of stuff. And that's just not. This is not reality. That's not how people see stories. That's not how. That's, those aren't even the types of stories that everyone wants to read. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to see romance really step out and maybe get a little bit more gritty. Maybe get a little, right. bit, a lot more inclusive. You know, as our current controversy is happening. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. You right. know. I want to. I want to see it. I want to see it broaden. You know. Right, like, Right. Even even in the documentary that I watched, and it's not on Netflix anymore, but I used to watch it all the time. Um, it talks about how romance really has always had kind of this bad rap of being for just flighty women and all that kind of stuff. When really, it's the it's the largest money maker when it comes to genre fiction. Like yeah. you know, well, it's kind of
0: and it has empowered so many women to be yes. fiscally independent and so many other things. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and I mean that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. but we can do more.
0: Yeah, we definitely can do more.
1: You know, and when
0: it, when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books that you wrote? Um,
1: I want them to say. I want them to say that I gained a sense of value. Mm. Mm. You know, um, can I elaborate a little bit?
0: Sure, absolutely. Okay.
1: So um, in especially in my, you know, my first romance novel, um, I told you like, you know, there's a threesome in there and all that kind of stuff. It didn't go well, which I think is something that also isn't talked about, is sometimes our sexual experiences don't go well. Right. Right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Uh, or even the aftermath doesn't go well. Uh and one of the things that uh my character in the aftermath when all so what I was saying is like, you know, sometimes our sexual experiences don't go well or even the aftermath, like that ends up being a disaster or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um with my character, it was kinda of the aftermath was more of a disaster than the actual experience and it ended up um causing their relationship to break up because um the male interests kind of overstepped a boundary with her. Mm. And instead of kind of going along with it, she stood her ground. Right. You know, in that moment, like, you know, where uh, you have to decide like, well, you know, maybe there's a misunderstanding and all that kind of stuff. In that moment, she just said, no, I'm not going to let this happen. I don't care if it's a misunderstanding. I don't care if, you know, your feelings are hurt or if you go home with blue balls. Like, you know. Right, right, (laughs) right. Stop. Like, this isn't going to happen. And even even me writing it, it was, like, one of those defining moments. Like, man, I can have a say at any point. hmm You know, like, I'm valuable enough. And that's one thing that she actually even said. She says, you know, you can come to talk to me when you realize how valuable I am. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was nowhere near that level of confidence at the time. I was really just kind of wanting that kind of confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like for me, she was my hero because I was like, "Man, I'm I'm ready to be like her one day." And I was writing it, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah okay,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah." We write our heroes a lot of times, yeah. right?
1: Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, like, even thinking back on it now, I'm like, "Man, I really kind of want anybody to to pick up my book, and whether or not they've had an experience like that, to really kind of get a grasp of, I'm valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm worth more than just." You know, this guy or this person or this coworker to just treat me any kind of way and me roll over and take it. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean that as a pun. Just saying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I get you. <laughs> you know,
1: like in any in, in any stance, like you know, we're not doormats. We're people. Mm-hmm. We're not objects for people. Like you know, we can say no. We can say stop. We can say all of these things and expect for those things to be upheld because mm-hmm. we're valuable.
0: Mm -hmm. so yeah wow wow but thank you so much terry you've given me so much to think about as far as writing and trying to balance life and writing and being an independent uh, you know spirit and writer and you know i I wish you much success and both your careers as a veterinarian and a writer. Thank you. Because it's, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible for you. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time with us. And I hope we'll talk again soon.
1: Definitely. Right. I enjoyed thank it. You.
0: Thank you so much. All thank right. you. Bye. Bye. Once again, thank you so much to Terry Lay. I really enjoyed our interview. She had me cracking up about a lot of things. And I would definitely take her advice about putting some pen to paper and writing things in the margins when I get stuck as a writer. Um, And you can follow her on social media everywhere at author Terri, T-E-R-R-I, Lay, L-E-Y. Um, everywhere Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. She is author Terry Lay. In our watching romance section, you know what Netflix does really well that I love is a good angsty teenage movie or rom com. Like I don't know why, but Netflix is are just like giving me what I need in that arena. <laughs> right now, it reminds me of the eighties and all the, you know, rom-coms that we used to have back in the day to say anythings and pretty in pink and all that. But, you know, we weren't in those, you know. If we were, we were on the peripheral, you know, in Revenge of the Nerds, we were just like, you know, on the outside, the joke, you know, know, looking in. Um, But Netflix is doing a really good job with highlighting Asian-American leads and actresses. And two of the shows that I loved, uh, one was a movie, which was um, the half of it, um, starring a young um, Chinese-American teen who is playing Cyrano de Bergerac for a classmate, basically, writing his love notes and uh, for a girl that she is actually in love with. And it was such a good and heartwarming story. It didn't have the ending that you thought it was going to have, but it, you know, all romances don't have to have a happy ending, basically, you know, for it to be a great romance. And it was a really good rom-com, romantic drama, dramedy uh, uh, that anybody could enjoy, not just teenagers. I'm 41 years old and I loved it. <laughs> and the next one was uh, Never Have I Ever, which is a series uh, produced in part by uh, Mindy Kaling, who we adore. Um, it centers on an Indian American teenage girl and all her ups and downs, just trying to fit in, trying to be normal, uh, wanting to have an awesome, basically sophomore year of of, of high school and getting a boyfriend. Um, she is surrounded by a strong uh, woman of color cast with her uh, Chinese American uh, friend and her Afro Latina. Uh, other best friend who's a robotics genius. She's my favorite in the show. So um, check that out. It's a series, 10 episodes, 30 minutes long, not very long, um, called Never Have I Ever. So that's this week's show. Um, Again, I want you all to follow Terry on social media at Terry Lay, author Terry Lay everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So I will see you guys next week with another Off The Profile. Talk to you guys then. Bye.